Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, this is Shep Hyken on Amazing Business Radio on CBS. And I'm very excited that today we have Dr. Tony Alessandra, who is a prolific author, having written over 30 books that, has been trans- that have been translated into 50 foreign languages. He is also uh, a member of the National Speakers Association and has been inducted into their Hall of Fame. He specializes in behavioral styles. Now, what that means is if you've ever taken an assessment where you are uh, determined you're, you're, you're very social or you're introverted or you relate to people uh, you know, or you're aggressive, these types of things to know in business are very important because once you understand your style, you better are able to understand and communicate with other people who might have other styles or even similar styles. So we're going to learn a little bit about that. We're going to have a great uh, amount of ROI and takeaway for the time that's invested here. And uh, Dr. Tony Alessandra, he's with us. Tony, great to have you. How are you? I'm doing great, Chef. Doing great in Las Vegas and not gambling. So that's uh, that's winning already. <laughs> you, I guess you win by just not playing, but that's fun. But that's you're actually you're, walk, you're you are walking away ahead because you're in Las Vegas probably to do a speech for a client. Is that right? Absolutely. So I'll walk away with some money. Yeah. So talk to us about the speeches. What are you going to talk about today? Today I'm talking about how to read a customer like a book. How to read a customer like a book. And why would someone want to be able to do that? Well, if you're in sales, you want to be able to know how to adjust your selling style to fit the customer's buying style. So what I do is I walk people through a whole model uh, of behavioral styles. We call it the, the DISC pattern, uh, dominance, influence, steadiness, or conscientiousness. And I, I show them how do you visually, through verbal, vocal, or visual clues that the, uh, that the customer is sending out, how do you determine whether they are the D, dominance, the I, influence, the S, steadiness, or the C, conscientious. Uh, And then I I tell them a little bit about each style, what's their strengths, their struggles, their needs, what motivates them, what they fear. And then specifically, how do you tweak uh, a sales presentation or even a service encounter based on that person's style? So that's pretty much what I'm going to talk about today. So that's for salespeople, and you mentioned service. What about the rest of the people in in the world of business? I think it's important that they are able to understand styles as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, You know, when you talk about the value of this, uh, not only does it focus on increasing sales, basically teaching, what what we do is we teach uh, sales teams uh, powerful behavioral profiling skills uh, so that they can identify uh, observable behaviors and then adapt, as I said, adapt their selling style to fit the customer's buying style. So basically, you know, should I speed up my, uh, let's just simplify it. Should I speed up my, my presentation or should I slow it down? Should I focus more on getting right down to business and the facts or should I develop the relationship uh, more before I move into uh, uh, the presentation? Uh, I said Im- improving customer service, uh, you know, that that's, uh, very similar, you know, adjusting how you deal with uh, customers depending on uh, 
what their style is and what their issue is. Yeah, you talk to them the way they like to be talked to. Exactly, exactly. It, re- it reduces employee turnover. So any, anybody in management, we want to make sure that we uh, have the best possible position job fit for each new hire. Because a great job fit meets stronger retention rates, uh, which lowers costs uh, that are associated with turnover. Uh, We also can customize employee training. You know, uh, for years, Shep, you know this, uh, we used to do our training one size fits all, all right? Uh, And and now we have the ability to to measure uh, somebody's behavior, their, their, their pattern, their strengths, and then customize the training uh, per individual. We can even use this concept, Shep, in team building, making sure that we put the right teams together uh, so that they, they complement uh, each other instead of uh, uh, conflict. So all based on, on matching up personality and behavioral styles. Exactly, exactly. You know, the, the, the last thing, Shep, in, in terms of how companies are using it, is to improve hiring and selection. That seems to be the biggest growth area for us right now. We, we don't use the concept or, or the, the on, online assessment uh, specifically to say hire or don't hire, but it's just another piece of data in the entire hiring process, in addition to an applicant's uh, experience, uh, their their uh, education, uh, their IQ, whatever, whatever it is, you you know, the interview process. This is just another piece of the puzzle uh, that that helps not just in the hiring process, but also the onboarding and training process. So, so uh, many many uses. For right. I want to cover one idea, and then I want to get into your background, and then. We'll take a short break, and when we come back, I want to start talking about these uh, four categories you, you talked about, the DISC, the DISC model, you know, the dominance, the influence, the uh, steadiness. Is that right? Steadiness and yep, conscientiousness. Steadiness. I want to talk about all of those because we need to understand that in order to be able to understand ourselves as well as others. When I was uh, certified in some a similar type of program, one of the things that we would do is – go and take, let's say a company had, and we'll use salespeople just because that's a good example and you've mentioned salespeople, but it could be any part of the company, any department. But let's say there were 25 salespeople and we put all of them through a, a profile assessment like this. And then we said, okay, who are the best salespeople? Let's see what the similarities similarities in their traits are and their behavioral styles. And what let's take a look at the bottom 20 percent is there any similarity or commonality to them that's different than the top 80 percent or definitely the top 20 percent we found some really amazing uh pieces of information some data to use so as we were uh, working with our clients and we were asking them to profile their new hires uh they could it, it wasn't a lock that it was a guarantee but if you saw somebody whose behavioral style was far off the mark uh, it was probably somebody that you should consider for a different type of position. Is that a good assessment of all of this? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That's that's one of the things we do. We could we could uh, uh, measure the top twenty percent and the bottom twenty percent, see if there's correlations to style or patterns, and uh, use that again as uh, one additional piece of information in the hiring uh, and selection process and and placement process. 
So that's a great way to utilize this as a tool for a company, not just for an individual. All right, Absolutely. we're, we're going to switch gears here. I want to talk about your background, uh, where you came from, how you got into this. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, uh, I'm going to go all the way back. Born and raised in New York City, uh, in the Chelsea section of New York. Is that where uh, that accent came from? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, this is just a fraction of uh, what the accent was. <laughs> so... Uh, uh, my father was a New York City cab driver. We lived in the projects of New York City, which, uh, you know, is sort of a tough section. Uh, you know, so I had to develop street smarts and, and uh, you know, a fighting ability, so to speak. Were you a fighter? Uh, but, you know, I was a fighter, yes, I was. I mean, serious fighter. fight. I mean, you would go out on the streets. You, you weren't in a gang, were you? No, I wasn't in a gang, but uh, uh, I, I definitely got in... Uh, I would say certainly over 100 street fights. Oh, my. And that may be a low, a low number. And, and it wasn't that I went out looking for them, but I never walked away from one. Okay. And did you win or lose most I, of the time? No, almost every single time I won. I can imagine uh, that. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 and, and, you know, there's, in fighting, there's technique, there's strength, there's, there's quickness. Uh, but I honestly believe, I don't know what it is, Shep, but I believe that that my system, my body, uh, generated. Uh, you know, when I went into that, you know, fight flight uh, mode that people get into when they're in stressful situations, I always went to the fight, not the flight. But my adrenaline, uh, it seemed like my body pumped a lot more adrenaline and gave me some uh, much more strength uh, in a fight than I would have normally outside of that situation. But anyway, enough of fighting. Well, now, how old uh, were you when you had your first fight? I was probably about six years old. Six years old. Was it on the street or was it with your sister? Or no, no, <laughs> no. This was in the projects, in the playground, in the projects. This was on 26th Street between 8th and 9th Avenue. There was four big high-rise I know exactly buildings. where that is. Yeah, so... so in the middle of all these four buildings, they had the playground and, you know, uh, benches for people, et cetera. And I got, uh, you know, I don't know what it was, but somebody beat me up. That, that actually was my first fight, first loss. Uh, and I went upstairs crying. Now, this may sound a little... Now, six-year-old kids, I mean, how badly could you have been beaten up? Was it another six-year-old kid or was it a, a 10-year-old bully picking on little kids? No, I think it was, he was definitely older than six, uh, and a bit bigger than me, and, and I don't know what the situation was. I can't remember it, but I know that when I went upstairs, it must have been a weekend. My father was home, and uh, my father, knowing, you know, how to survive in the city, uh, you know, said, go back down, and I want you to fight that kid again and win. And I, I was crying, saying, no, 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 no. Uh, and he took off his belt. And he said, uh, you know, either face the belt or face the kid. Well, I knew what the belt was, you know, so <laughs> I went back down. I faced the kid, and believe it or not, with all this adrenaline now, knowing, you know, my father there, uh, I, the kid who just beat me up, I beat him up. Uh, within a couple of days, he comes back with another person uh, who's going to, you know, fight for his honor. And I had to fight that kid and beat him, and, and that's how it went. It was almost like... The old uh, uh, westerns, you know, where uh, somebody was the gunslinger in town and people from other towns would come and challenge. And that's really what happened often. 
is people from other neighborhoods would come uh, and and challenge me to a fight. And I mean, this started through. Uh, <laughs> this is amazing. When you were six years old. Oh, my gosh. Well, hey, we are talking with Tony Alessandra, and we've talked a little bit about behavioral styles. We're going to talk more about that. But now we're into his fighting career that started at age six. We're going to hear more about that and a whole lot more on Amazing Business Radio on CBS. My name's Shep Hyken. We're going to take a really short break. We'll be right back. So don't go away. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Hello, it's Shep Hyken again on Amazing Business Radio on CBS. We are back with Dr. Tony Alessandra, who's talking about his childhood when he was six years old and how he got into his first fight and a week later got into his second fight. Actually, uh, the same day got into his second fight because he went back and he beat up the kid that beat him up. And then the kid brought someone else back a week later. Where does it go from there, Tony? Well, it just kept happening, uh, you know, six years old, seven, eight, nine. At nine years old, we moved out of the projects. We moved to uh, the Bensonhurst section of Brooklyn, and we lived uh, in a brownstone with my grandmother, who lived on one floor, my cousin, Joey. <laughs> Does that sound? Joey Messina, who uh, he and his family uh, lived on a- another floor, and we lived on a third floor. And Joey went to public school. I went to Catholic school. And Joey, who was so proud of me, he was about six months younger than me, would bring kids home from the public school because he was bragging about his cousin Anthony. uh, And he would bring kids home to fight me. Uh, You know, so that went on. God knows. I I lived there three years. And in three years, he kept bringing kids over. Well, now I understand uh, uh, why you're successful, because you are definitely a fighter, not only in your personal life, but apparently your your professional life. You've done great. Just want to know, when's the last fight that you've had? And I'm not talking about an argument with your wife. I'm talking about a fight. When's the last fight? I would say 10 years ago. 10 years? Tony! I don't want to tell people how old you are, okay, but that would probably put you in your 50s. It was in my 50s, and it was with a cab driver at the San Diego airport. Now, uh, when you say a fight with a cab driver. A real, driver. honest-to-goodness fist fight, uh, you know, down on the you know, swinging down on the ground. Uh, Did anybody get arrested? No, no. We ended before the cops came, and that was it. We drove away. But, uh, oh my! Okay, well, I'm not going to mess with you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't. The reason I don't get in fights today, and it's not that I wouldn't get in a fight today. Uh, well, first of all, I'm wiser. Uh, secondly, I don't want to get sued today or get stabbed or shot. You know, back in, in when I was a kid, you didn't have to worry about that. Well, you you worried about getting stabbed, but not shot. Uh, but the, today, you got to really worry. So. All right. Uh, so you had a tough life. <laughs> <laughs> growing up, uh, not not a tough life in a bad way, but I mean, you were a tough kid, and apparently, even in your fifties, you're willing to go and uh, take out a cab driver. You know, I'm good friends with a lot of cab drivers, so the, they're my people. I know that. I know. <laughs> the, so, hey, let's get let's get back to you know, you're, you're through high school, you went to college, you come out of college. I mean, you're a doctor, a PhD. Uh, where did you go to college? Uh, this is this is your background. This may be where it all started for business. Yeah, so anyway, what, what happened? Uh, uh, you know, through high school, 
you know, I went to Catholic school uh, all the way, almost all the way through high school. Uh, the last two years of high school, I went to Tom's River uh, High School, which was a public high school. But the first 10 years, I was in Catholic school. And that's where I started honing my sales ability, because one of the things that Catholic schools do well is almost every month you're out there selling something to, you know, like like chocolate, magazine subscriptions, raffles, whatever, to, to get money for the school. Right. I was, I, as a kid, I was the number one salesman in, in selling candy bars and raffle tickets. That, that may be, you know, maybe that's your common background other than the that, fighting. That is, that is. And, and, and I did the same. And that, that kind of subconsciously told me that I was, that I was good at selling or persuasion. And then uh, I got accepted to go to the University of Notre Dame in, in South Bend, Indiana. So, so you were smart. I went there. You were a smart kid. Uh, a smart ass, maybe, or a smart aleck. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you get a scholarship? Uh, well, only for need, not a scholarship for uh, academics. Okay. Uh, let's put it this way. I wouldn't get into the school today with the same grades I had back then. Right, but obviously uh, you graduated from Notre Dame. Yeah, I graduated, and I worked my way through Notre Dame. I earned, other than my freshman year, which was the only money my parents had uh, to, to pay my tuition, et cetera, every other year, all the way, the last three years of Notre Dame, one year at the University of Connecticut for my MBA, three years at Georgia State University in uh, downtown Atlanta for my Ph.D., I earned my tuition, my room board, my living expenses, Selling. I what did sold you sell? Salad Master Cookware, uh, all the way through college. I sold life insurance, uh, and, and you know that's that's pretty much what I did. And and again, honed my real selling skills, doing that all the way through, uh, at least my MBA program. When I went to Georgia State, uh, I actually they gave me a full time teaching position teaching. You ready for this? Sales. Professional salesmanship. Wow. You know, I, I look back at all of the successful people that I know, and I would say if there's a commonality, not every one of them, but I would say the majority and an overwhelming majority uh, has some sales skill background. And, uh, you know, I sold pots and pans when I was in college. I sold art when I was in college out of a catalog. I didn't realize it was a multi-level marketing company. I just thought it was uh, a catalog who went out and sold art. Within the first two weeks, I became the number one top salesman in their company selling art. I was just selling it to college kids to give away as, as gifts for their parents at holidays time. But uh, same thing in high school, sold uh, raffle tickets and sold candy bars. Uh, one of my favorite plaques that I still have is back when I was about 15, I got a plaque that said Shep Candyman Hiking. And that's what my nickname was, uh, Candyman, because candy I sold candy bars, not something else. But this is good. So we have a little background here on Tony. Smart guy, tough guy. Uh, he had to fight to get where he is today. He goes to college, uh, gets his PhD, has a teaching position, and uh, essentially becomes, and I'm looking at his bio, it becomes a professional speaker at some point, leaves college and goes on to speak professionally rather than work for the university. Um, and I've known Tony's work for quite a while. I've been reading his books for quite a while. Probably uh, collaborative selling is, and is, 
I remember getting that book way, way, way back when. Uh, the New Art of Managing People, Charisma, which is a great book that is about you know, charisma. And, and then The Platinum Rule, which actually, if I had a favorite book, it's that one because I relate most to that book because it's about the styles. So let's get into that. Uh, it, it, just give us a quick background on what The Platinum Rule is. And I know it relates to DISC, but it's a little bit different in that you define the four different types of styles just a little differently. Yeah, well, the platinum rule is is a broad rule that that can apply in many different situations, not just the the four styles. The platinum rule is sort of a, a, a companion rule to the golden rule. The golden rule says that uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, which you know I I, I agree one hundred ten percent when it comes to values, ethics, honesty, consideration. The golden rule is great. But when it comes to one-to-one communications, the golden rule can backfire because it says that you should treat other people the way you want to be treated. But in a world of increasing diversity, uh, you know, we have gender diversity, we have generational diversity, you know, Gen X, Gen Y, baby boomers, et cetera. We have ethnic diversity. Uh, I mean, I can go on and on, all different kinds, religious uh, diversity, racial diversity, people do things differently and you know whether it's styles or something else you know that old that that the bestseller book men are from mars women are from venus yeah that book was that, written that about me book, <laughs> that whole book was about the platinum rule it, it the platinum rule basically says do unto others as they would have you do unto them so anytime you adjust the way you deal with people whether it's because of their behavioral style, you know, the DISC, or or whether it's because of their gender or their ethnic background, whatever, that is the platinum rule. The platinum rule focuses on adaptability, your ability to change your approach, to change your strategy, depending on the situation or the person you're dealing with. So that's the key Uh, word, adaptability. The the, the key word, you know, it reminds me, I don't know how many of, uh, of your listeners, Shep, go back and remember that old great, great situational comedy on TV, All in the Family with Archie Bunker. Well, I think they could uh, probably find some episodes on YouTube if they haven't. Oh, easily, easily. You really should. It was a great, great show. But Archie, uh, uh, he was absolutely the opposite of being adaptable. It was his way or the highway. Uh, But there was one saying he used to to say every so often that, that reminds me of, of adaptability in the platinum rule. Uh, he said, Edith, that was his wife, Edith, you know why we can't communicate? It's because you listen in dingbat. Uh, uh, you know, I speak in English and you listen in dingbat. Uh, and, and that's what he used to call her all the time, a dingbat. Uh, so, you know, if Archie truly wanted to be adaptable, he would have learned how to speak dingbat. You know, so <laughs> that, that's the whole thing. And that's uh, back to the men are from Mars, women are from Venus, the you know, men talking even to women. in Rome, do as the Romans. That, that, that's the whole concept of adaptability. Now, so, uh, before know, we take our, our next break, you also have a, a, a different definition of the golden rule. Uh, the golden rule, as you just mentioned, is do unto others as you would want, have done un, or want done unto you. But there's another version. You mean the New York version? The New York version. <laughs> do unto others before they do unto you. Before they do unto you. But then, right. there's the, then there's the corporate version. 
the corporate version. The person who has the gold makes the rules. Exactly. Those are different versions of the golden rule. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about the platinum rule. We're going to get into the four styles, the D-I-S-C style. We're with Dr. Tony Alessandra talking about the platinum rule, talking about styles. And my name's Shep Hyken on Amazing Business Radio on CBS. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken back again on Amazing Business Radio, and we are talking to Dr. Tony Alessandra, and we have been talking about the Platinum Rule, which is all about adaptability, which is treating people the way they want to be treated, an extension, more or less, of the Golden Rule, which is to do unto others as you would want done unto yourself. Uh, Tony, let's talk about, uh, when I learned about the Platinum Rule assessment uh, from you, I thought this is the most simplified version of understanding styles. People had a very direct style. They had a very influencing style, social, you know, they, they had a, a style that could relate. And then, you know, there was that introvert, uh, that thinker. Uh, let's talk about those. Let's talk about DISC and I'll let you take it from here. Perfect. Uh, well, I got into the assessment business right after, uh, I had gone through all my coursework in college, uh, in, in grad, in, uh, uh, my doctoral program. So in 1974, I was introduced to the concept. Uh, I started using a paper-based assessment uh, to determine whether somebody was a, a DIS or C. In 96, 1996, I put it online for the first time, but I let people take it for free. So that, you know, by having, the way, from 70, from what year was it, 1970? 74 to 96. So that's about 22 years, and in 96, yes, computers were... I put were, it online. Right, we're just starting to... take it for free. Yep. Uh, about 10,000 people a month took it for free. And this is the uh, DISC assessment. Well, that, that one was a, a, a four-style model, a little different. I called it the Platinum Rule. Uh, it was I put it online really to sell the book, The Platinum Rule, which came out in 1996. Uh, and it was very successful. The website uh, was mentioned in USA Today. It won a Webby Award. Uh, it, was, it was great. And I, I kept it like that for about four years. Until the uh, uh, what, what do they call it? The blinding, uh, you know, strike of obvious came to me. You know, if that many people are taking it, maybe I should make it a business and charge money. So yeah, why not charge a little yeah. bit of money? Ten thousand people a month taking this assessment. Yeah, smart yeah. move. Smart move. Uh, so in, in two two thousand, I started building it as an actual business, uh, and my first uh, real big client was uh, Dr. Ken Blanchard, who wrote the One Minute Manager. Right, One Minute Manager, the One Minute Salesperson, uh, Who exactly. Moved My Cheese, Raving Fams, very prolific guy. Good guy to get to know and maybe get to support you there. Yeah, so that was that was a big break. Uh, but, you know, the whole concept of, of the online assessment was, uh, it, you know, you can't manage what you can't measure or what you don't measure. So... Uh, you know, to manage people effectively, to manage sales effectively, to manage customers effectively, you really need to measure, to understand uh, uh, the person's style, where they come from. You know, another big quote that I have in my sales books uh, is prescription 
before diagnosis is malpractice. All right, that's and, and tweetable. Whole, Say it yeah, again. Whole, prescription before diagnosis is malpractice. And, and so, you know, the whole concept, this, the online assessments are the diagnosis before you prescribe. So uh, anyway, that, that's, that's how I got into this, uh, the, the, the assessment business. Uh, as the assessment business grew, uh, I, I started cutting back on my live speeches because I was just traveling too much. Uh, and, and that's really what I do. You know, so I'm that's a great, Vegas, great transition. We yeah. We, we mentioned I'm here in Las Vegas speaking, uh, you know, giving a keynote speech, but I'm giving the keynote speech to one of my big assessment customers. So, uh, you know, sometimes it's hand in glove how these things work together. Right. But, you know, Let's get back to the four styles. That's what I want to do. I want to talk about what DISC stands for. All right. So the D is stands for dominance. Uh, the Ds, their key desire is uh, results, you know, the bottom line, uh, their motto, I want it done right, I want it done now, or better yet, I want it done yesterday. They tend to be in a hurry for everything. Uh, what do they do best? Well, the Ds, they tend to take charge. They're competitive. They get things done. They're uh, decisive. They're risk takers. Uh, they're fearless. You know, no obstacle too big or too small stands in their way. Uh, and, and they ensure bottom line results. You want something done. You want it done right. You want it done on time. You want it done ahead of time. Give it to a D. Uh, but I'll tell you what, what's difficult for them. They're not good listeners because they, they, uh, they don't have the time and they already know the answer. At least they think they do. They don't like to uh, do repetitive tasks, and that's when they delegate things to people. They're not very diplomatic. Uh, sometimes they can come on you know, rather strong and, and blunt, uh, and they don't really open up to other people. It's not that they're shy, but they hold things back. They're, they're more private, especially about personal matters. Right, so uh, the a dominant person, they want, they want you to see uh, if they're holding things back, it's because they don't want you to see any weaknesses in them. I would imagine the dominant person is more of a, uh, the, the person in charge. It's the boss. It's the man or a woman that is you know, very driving, very ambitious. Uh, they want it done their way, as you mentioned. Uh, if I come to you and I want to talk to you and you're a dominant guy, uh, you probably don't want a lot of small talk. You want to get right, right to it and let's, right let's figure point. out how to get it done. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and, and, you know, although if I were looking at, you know, people in the highest positions, you know, let's say the C-level people, uh, you know, it really has a lot of Ds. And it's not that the Ds are smarter or whatever. It's that that's their goal. That's what they drive for. That That's important to them. So uh, those are the Ds. They probably feel the very I's. comfortable about delegation and, uh, you know, surrounding themselves with a team that can support their vision, their mission in, in the sea level. Absolutely. So Absolutely. give me a name of a movie star that we would all recognize, a, a role in a movie that would play the part of a D. Well, I can give you a, a real person, Donald Trump. Okay, uh, yeah, Donald Trump, the, who is yeah, like late, a movie. <laughs> yeah, the, the late George Steinbrenner. You know, th these are classic Ds. So George Steinbrenner, owner of the New York Yankees, you know, who yep. just wanted to win, could afford to do it and paid all the money to put people on the field so that he could win. That's correct. 
All right. Uh, how about Arnold Schwarzenegger and the Terminator? Uh, yeah. <laughs> would, yep. Would that be absolutely. a D? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Take charge. Take control. Yeah, I'll be back. That's it. Right. So, okay, so you've got the D. We know who that is. Uh, Donald Trump, I think that's the perfect example. How about an I? What is I? Okay, I's, their key desire is uh, fun, excitement, applause, visibility, recognition. Uh, and they tend to talk a, lo- a lot about their favorite subject. Themselves. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, they have the gift of gab, the power of persuasion. Uh, problem area, when all is said and done, more is often said than done. So they're all talk. Uh, well, not all talk. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're very inspirational people. Uh, they inspire other people to take action. Uh, they think quickly on their feet, so they, they tend to be very optimistic, intuitive, creative. Uh, but, but here, they're full of ideas, but they can be impulsive in trying them. So they start a lot of things, maybe too many things, and then realize they can't finish them all, and then look for other people to help them finish it. But if you need something promoted, uh, an idea, an opportunity, a person, a product, this is the person to give it to. This would be a good salesperson. Yeah, a classic, classic uh, salesperson. And They don't like formal reports uh, or keeping detailed records. You know, as a salesperson, they say to their sales manager, uh, look, look, do you want me to do a report or do you want me to sell? I can't do both. Pick one or the other. they don't, they don't like a lot of restrictions. Uh, they're easily bored, especially by routine. Uh, and they don't like to do something over once it's already been done. So I, I'm probably, I fall into that I category. Uh, and you know what, as I talk to you and, and knowing about your, uh, your background and your, you know, what a fighter you were, uh, also knowing about your success, I put you in the D category, but I also think that you're uh, quite a bit of an I. I mean, I've had to do very little talking today on this interview. You've been doing a lot of the talking, which is great. I mean, you're fascinating. You've got great stories. All I got to do is wind you up a little bit and then let you go. So where, where do you fall? Uh, am I right in assessing? Oh, you're, ab- you're, you're absolutely right. I, you know, this is not, this concept is not, you know, you're one and that's it, a D, an I, an S, or a C. No, there's combinations. Uh, it, it's sort of like a mixture. Uh, I'm very high D and very high I, more high D than high I. Uh, you know, you had mentioned early on, you, uh, if you can remember, you mentioned something about introverts and extroverts. It was just an article, uh, and I can't remember where it was, where, where it talked about introverts extroverts or ambiverts, which is a combination of the two. And spell that, ambiverts, ander? A-M-B-I-V-E-R-T-S. So it's, you know, like ambidextrous. Oh, okay. Ambivert. Uh, So here's the thing, Shep. The the D, the, the I's are definitely extroverts. The C's, the conscientious style, are definitely introverts. But the S's and the D's are ambiverts. They're a, they're a little bit of both. Uh, that's why, uh, you know, for me, let's say being uh, primarily a D, uh, I could get in an elevator. I can, you know, schmooze with people. I can talk to people in, in different situations. I'm persuasive. But I prefer not to go to parties, not to be in big groups, whereas you flourish in those in those environments. You know, I... You know, you are the classic social butterfly. 
Uh, I'll take that I, as a I compliment, at, I think. It is. No, it is a compliment. I, I look at you love it. You love it, and you're good at it. Uh, I, I tend to be good at it, but I don't like it, so I tend to avoid it. So you I know? know this, that there's a pretty good chance that the I would not have gotten into a fight with a cab driver in San That's Diego true. at the airport. <laughs> That's true. He would have talked his way out of it. Exactly. And then he would have gone and had a beer or a drink afterwards. All right. That's we are right. talking with Dr. Tony Alessandro, and this is Amazing Business Radio on CBS. And my name is Shep Hyken, and we are going to take a really short break. We are going to come back, and we've talked about the D and the I. We're going to talk about the S and the C. Stand by. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here, back on Amazing Business Radio on CBS with Dr. Tony Alessandro. We've been talking about behavioral styles, and we've talked about the D as in a dominant style, the I as in an influencer, and now we're going to talk about the S and the C. This is the DISC model. This is probably one of the most popular assessment or behavioral models uh, that are out there today that are being used in, in all types of businesses. So, Tony, what is an S? The S is the steady style, right? The more amiable, uh, relator style. Their key desire is harmony, safety, security, close, one-on-one relationships. The true people, people, the team players, the glue, the glue, Shep, that holds a team or even a relationship together. Now, uh, you said that that was an introverted style? No, I said that the, uh, the S is an ambivert. Oh, the uh, S is an ambivert. Okay. Yeah, the S is an ambivert. The C is the introvert, the pure introvert. Uh, now, the S is what they do best. Uh, again, they bring harmony, harmony to a group or a relationship. They're friendly. They're sensitive. They are by far the best listeners. Uh, now, the, they're opposite, by the way. The opposite of an S is a D. Uh, and the D, I don't know if you remember, I said what their big weakness was, listening. Listening, well, right. Well, the strength of the S is listening. The beauty is that the, the opposites, the opposites being the D and the S, the opposites being the I and the C, the, uh, the strengths of one style compensates for the weakness of the other. All right? So that, you know, that old saying, opposites attract, well, in a work situation, this is it. Uh, they they complement each other. So uh, back to the S's, they, they build great networks of, of friends, uh, uh, they're, they're great at coordinating and cooperating uh, with, with other people. Is there a lot of they kumbaya here? A lot of kumbaya. We are the world. Uh, Why can't we be the, friends? The <laughs> <laughs> yeah. now, you know, here's an interesting thing. The, uh, the, both the I's and the S's are people-oriented. The difference is the S's have fewer relationships but deeper. The I's have a lot of relationships but not necessarily as deep uh, uh, let's just say acquaintances and friends, uh, whereas the S's have uh, a lot fewer, but they're close friends. Right, uh, that makes a lot of sense. And I know we, we talked about Donald Trump being the perfect role model for the D. We didn't determine who the perfect role model of the I is, but it'd be interesting to see the differences between the I and the S. An actor, a famous person, somebody that everybody would recognize, uh, give me an example of, uh, of the I, the influencer. 
Well, I would say the late Robin Williams. Uh, now, Robin Williams was known uh, on the surface to be an I. On the surface, that's correct. On the surface, right? But I think but he was truly an introvert. Only see. Right, right. That, that's what we see. Right. Uh, another, another I. Let's take some some uh, sitcoms. Uh, uh, Mash. Uh, Alan Alda. Okay, now you're uh, going way back, so we're going to ask people back. to go back on YouTube to look at Mash. Alan okay, Alda. How about, how about Seinfeld? Okay, Seinfeld. Yep, I uh, love Seinfeld. Cosmo. Cosmo Kramer. Kramer. Uh, you know, classic guy. Uh, Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld. Seinfeld was a classic S. He was, uh, you know, the one who always tried to uh, calm things down, get people to work better together, explain things, explain positions of people. Uh, you know, if you look at a lot of the the, uh, the shows on TV, uh, you'll see that uh, uh, one of the the formulas that they have is to have different styles, so that there there's relationship. Uh, interactivity and even relationship tension right there's and and competing styles yeah no doubt uh you know it just you you look at even a romance uh movie where you've got you know the woman that wants the deep relationship and the guy that's just a constant partier and and somehow the woman seems to reel the guy in by the way it could have gone the other way around i'm just using this as an example uh but she reels the guy in and gets him to start to to live in her world and the whole thing falls apart because neither one of them could adapt and like i say it could have been the other way around it could have been a, a more uh, uh, steady guy meets the kind of outgoing fun gregarious woman and tries to reel her into his world and and vice versa it just doesn't seem to work right right and you know take take one of the uh i think consistent top 10 shows today ncis yeah okay. or any of those we cis have, type yeah know. but let's take ncis the the original one okay we have mark Harmon. Uh, who, who's, uh, what's his name on the show, Gibbs, uh, he is the D. And, and so his position, he's like, uh, does he run the, the police department? Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's, he's the boss, but he's a D. He's a uh, D. You know, no nonsense. Very dominant. Way or the highway. Right. Uh, he has all these rules. Uh, then there's Tony, who's his right, you know, sort of right-hand man. He's an I. Uh, we have... Uh, uh, the computer guy that that's there, he's a C, and then the new person on the show, this blonde girl, I don't know what her name is on on the show, she tends to be an S. So there we have all four styles, and you can see the interaction of those styles within the context of the show itself or what whatever is happening. Uh, it, it just it's fascinating how. Uh, some of these shows are put together uh, again. Maybe they know the concept of disc or the four behavioral patterns. Oh, I think these writers are pretty sharp. Show. Yeah, they, yeah, they definitely know. Yeah, so they may not uh, see them as a disc, but they see, hey, let's get this dominant, forceful guy and let's let's pair him up with another person that's just totally outrageously outgoing, and let's see what kind of fireworks we can create between these two people. I mean, well, it's a, you know, you know what the the classic show. And it's back on, by the way, with two different actors. Oh, the odd, the odd couple. couple. Yeah. The odd couple. The, odd I mean, couple. That, that, the whole thing is a personality clash. It is uh, very, very high eye, 
Yep. Uh, Oscar, who goes out and plays cards every night. He's a slob. He's a mess. He doesn't care about things. He just He's going along life and having a good time. And then there's Felix, very serious, very methodical, very anal retentive, very, you know, uh, he, he goes around the, the room and there's an alarm clock uh, in the room, in his bedroom, and there's the clock on the uh, microwave, and he makes sure they're in perfect sync. Exactly. So. But, but, Shep, let me mention that uh, with The Odd Couple and, and some other shows, by the way, but particularly The Odd Couple, uh, even though one one style uh, Oscar is uh, an I and Felix is a C, they are the extremes and not necessarily uh, the most favorable aspects of that style. So, uh, but but yeah, they are I and C, but uh, they often play off their uh, their negatives. Right, but that's what makes good TV. That, that's exactly right. Right. So oh, so oh, we understand oh, what the S is, the steady, and, and we're right. just now talking about the C with Felix Unger uh, from The Odd Couple. Uh, give us more insight into the C. Okay. The C, uh, uh, their key desire is order, accuracy, precision, perfection. You know, their motto, everything in its place and a place for everything. Uh, they're great planners, problem solvers, organizers. They're great at creating systems. They're highly inventive people, uh, very organized. Uh, they plan thoroughly before they decide to act. They're quick to think, but slow to speak. Uh, and they're great, as I said, great planners. But they don't like to work with unpredictable people or in disorganized environments. Uh, they're, they're I know the perfect job for a C. A perfect job is to be the manager at the container store. <laughs> that is good. That is good. The manager of inventory. The manager of inventory of the container store. <laughs> right. Yeah, that way they don't have to deal with the people in the front. They just deal with the shelves. Great. And uh, so, so th- this will be, be interesting. So you've got so, the perfect job for a C is, is, is yeah, inventory manager, uh, it, but the container store just seems like everything in its place. What's the perfect job for an S? Well, a perfect job would be some sort of, uh, let's say, counseling, uh, you know, where they're helping people, or uh, I would say lower level grade teaching, you know, everything from uh, maybe up to the third grade where they really can help and mold uh, the, the, you know, the relationship kids. is so important. And, and yeah. the, uh, I, uh, the nurturing, nurture is a good word maybe exactly. to describe exactly. it. Exactly. Nurturing. Perfect job for an I, I'm going to guess it's that salesperson. Salesperson. Hey, a cruise social director. Oh, I could do that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I could be are. like Julie on the love boat. Now I'm That's dating exactly myself. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And then uh, D. And the, D. The D's. Uh, How about President the, of the United States? Uh, well, you know, that, that's that's interesting, although the current President of the United States, I would say, is more of a C. Uh, you know, so uh, I would say uh, some sort of uh, leader, yeah, so that, that's why you would say the president, but, but a president, uh, a CEO, uh, I even joke saying a king or a queen, you know, where they, they really are the boss, the boss. Uh, uh, a contractor, you know, a, 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 a general contractor, you know, in, in construction. Uh, again, somebody who's calling the shots. Got it, got it. So when we come back in just a moment, we're going to wrap all this up. We have Dr. Tony Alessandra today, and we are talking about behavioral styles. 
This is Shep Hike and Amazing Business Radio on CBS. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio. This is Shep Hyken. We're with Tony Alessandra, and we've been talking about behavioral styles, uh, specifically the DISC uh, formula, which is dominant, uh, influence, steadiness, and uh, conscientious. So we put all this together. How do we find out what our styles are? What's, I, I know you're going to talk to us about the instrument or the assessment that you have. How do we get hold of that? How do we learn about it? How do we decide if we want to go through it? All right, well, obviously, the best way to learn about yourself is to take the online assessment. Uh, uh, you can go to uh, www.assessments, that's plural, A-S-S-E-S-S-M-E-N-T-S, the number 24, uh, the letter X, the number 7.com. So it's assessments 24 by 7, by as the X, dot com. And then when you go to that site, you'll see that there's a lot of information there. Uh, but the key thing is to click on assessments, uh, you know, the different types of assessments that we have. It's uh, our assessment catalog. And the very first one would be DISC. You click on that, and, uh, you know, you can learn a little bit more about it. But you can, it says, you know, uh, I want to uh, buy one, you know, so. Uh, oh, is that what you, you know, you'd like us to things. buy one? Don't be bashful. That's not your style. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tell us, what do you want us to do when we see that button? Push. I want you to click on it and buy something. Exactly. And I want it's, you to uh, really find out what your style is. It, it really, it's, uh, it's incredible. Now, so, Tony, uh, I took this uh, assessment, and not only do I get to find out what my style is, I get to ask other people to tell me what they think my style is. Is that right? Uh, well, on the DISC assessment, we do it a little bit differently. Uh, we, we don't really uh, do the, the, that 360 element. There's, uh, if you want to do the 360 element, there's another uh, assessment. Uh, when you look at our assessments, it's called the Platinum Rule. That's the one you are most familiar with. Right, that's you, the one you that you use in your own business. Yep, I love that rule. Platinum Rule. And, and you know, we, we, we don't use the DISC. We call them... Uh, the uh, the director, the thinker, the relator, and the socializer. Uh, and, but it is a 360 where you can uh, take it yourself, uh, get a great report, uh, ask other people to answer the same questions as they see you, and you get to see yourself through the eyes of other people. So and that's it, it what really the 360 is. is when you get the right. – because uh, uh, you're getting the 360-degree view of you where others in the world view you as a certain way. And it's really interesting. Um, in many cases, you'll see people view you the same way, but then there's probably some that view you differently. Um, and uh, I can imagine when I was learning about this, the best uh, example I could think of is that the salesperson who is that, you know, that socializer, that influencer in the eye, all of a sudden is promoted to sales manager and now has to be the boss. And he or she still thinks of themselves as the outgoing gregarious salesperson, but everybody else looks at him or her as the boss, which means that they've shifted into the D role, whether they liked it or not. Absolutely. 
So, well, that's cool. So we can look at assessment24by7.com or 24x7. Assessment, yeah, assessments24by7.com. Right, and, and we can learn more about that. And, Tony, uh, what does all this mean? I mean, what's the ROI? To be able to understand your style is very important. Why would somebody want to take the time, take the effort, and even take the money to go ahead and purchase one of these assessments? All right, Shep, everything we do, whether it's business whether it's social or whether it's in our personal lives. Unless you are a hermit, you have to deal with people. And the better able you are to deal with people, the more successful you will be. It's, uh, you know, if you go across the board and ask people, uh, uh, you know, recruiters, et cetera, what they look for in, in, in a person, and one thing that they look for is somebody who knows how to get along with other people, who can build relationships, who can uh, build effective teams, and that's what this is all about. Uh, it's, it's how to do this effectively. Uh, knowing your style, uh, especially in the report that you get, the DISC report, it also tells you not just your style uh, with the incredible, incredible several pages of insights about your strengths, your struggles, what motivates you, etc. But there's a whole section on how to use this with other people. Uh, how do you identify other people without having them take the DISC assessment? You know, visually, how do you identify them? And then what do you do? How do you adjust the way you deal with people uh, based on your style and their style? So it's... Uh, it, it's invaluable. Jeff. It's a it's invaluable. a great it's a great tool. I think it's probably one of the biggest, uh, most important things that anybody can do in their career is to understand how to interact with others better. Uh, they get to know themselves as well as how to and, and get to know the styles of others and how to interact. So here's what I'm going to recommend. Um, I'm assuming if a lot of people who are listening to these types of shows probably are people that pick up magazines, maybe go to a bookstore, go on Amazon and buy a book. Rather than buy the book next time or any book, and you're looking for a book to read that will help you in your career, your personal life, your professional life, I would suggest going to assessments24x7.com. And instead of buying a book, take the time to go through this assessment, which by the way, doesn't take a lot of time, study that report. Now that's going to take a little bit of time because that report is a very robust report. It's like a small book. Study that report, understand it, and get to know who others are, the other styles that they are, and figure out how to better interact with them. It will help you professionally. It'll definitely help you personally, and it will be one of the best investments that you can make. I and, appreciate that. I couldn't uh, yeah. have said it any better myself. That, that's where I was. That's that's where you get to say I could have said it. I couldn't have said it any better myself. That's and I do exactly believe right. in it. I really do. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the DISC model. Uh, I I probably operate more with the Platinum Rule simply because, or the Platinum Rule assessment simply because it's an easier, simpler model and the type of training that we do. But I think that the idea and the concepts are all valid and they're still there. Tony, if if we're getting ready to wrap up here, if there was one. One thing that you wanted to share with everyone, uh, one little nugget, one little last thought to take away that would help us be more successful, what would that be? Uh, one thought that's hard for me, Shep. Uh, uh, some of my guiding principles, what goes around comes around. Uh, I, I always treat people, regardless of how high or how low they are, you know, what they do, I treat them with respect, with kindness. 
because you never know what's going to come back. And I don't do it because of what's going to come back to me, but it always does. Uh, the second big thing I'll say is, uh, you know, how you react to failure uh, really defines how successful you're going to be. Uh, you know, Shep, you, you see a lot of the things that I've accomplished in life, but what a lot of people don't see is how many times I've gone up to bat and struck out many more times than I've been successful. But I learn from my failures. I take it as a stepping stone to success. And that's what people have to do. Uh, don't worry about failure. Learn from it. Yeah, failure can be a good thing and it helps take you to the next level. And those are great inspirational words to live by. Tony, you're a great friend and I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on the show. This is Dr. Tony Alessandro we've been talking to. My name is Shep Hyken. You've been listening to Amazing Business Radio and it's time to wrap up. But what I like to do at the very end of every show is remind everybody something very important and that is to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.